Welcome to the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast, a show to help you create more revenue, profit, and freedom in your life. Now your host, John Victoria. Hello and good afternoon, HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast. Uh, Welcome to this podcast. This podcast is for you, the HVAC business owner. And our mission is to create more revenue, profit, and freedom in your life. And uh, I'm your host, John Victoria. And today we have a very fun topic that we're covering today with Mr. Chris Dupree. And so Chris is the Chief Strategy Officer at Impact. If you're familiar with the book, They Ask, You Answer. Uh, they are very closely uh, related. Um, he's a They Ask You Answer coach, uh, 20 plus years in business development and leadership, and is also a former infantry officer leading paratroopers in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so with that, I'm going to bring on Chris and we're going to have a fun conversation for today. Welcome, Chris. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> good. Let's do it. Awesome. So, um, I think that maybe the first place that we could start, uh, which would be fun, is um, a lot of our audience is in the HVAC industry. Mm-hmm. And the specific strategy that you're going to go over, um, it can produce some really awesome results. And so yeah. uh, me and you talked about fire and ice beforehand and um, would love to just you know maybe talk about them and then we can talk about the strategy we implemented. But maybe we could talk about the results first of what yeah. you can do for a company. Yeah, So so fire and ice is a you know, a company like y'all in the Columbus, Ohio area. And we worked with them little over probably 12 to 18 months implementing the Ask You Answer. And the two biggest things that I think jump out at me, right, are their organic monthly traffic. So people not looking for fire and ice, but people saying, I've got a problem with my air conditioner. I need help with, you know, my temperature control, whatever it was, 150,000 sessions per month of people Googling things and landing on Fire and Ice's website, right? So that led to over a million dollars of attributable revenue to their book of business. So not paid ads, not not going to shows, literally answering the questions that their customers and buyers had, which then generated this swell of humans Googling stuff, finding them, and then doing work with them. And so, I mean, a million dollars in attributable revenue from literally answering questions. That seems like a no-brainer. Yes, and... And also some, I, I remember some of the context as well. This was, um, this was the start of pandemic, right? I think, I think it was start of 2020. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was right around COVID hitting and, you know, they just, they read, they asked you answer. I think they might've seen Marcus speak mm-hmm. and they started working with us in a coaching um, engagement and they hired a content manager. They hired a videographer. They built out a video studio Right. They've got a whole marketing team that got created because of the success they were having. Yes. And so now they're creating three plus articles a week. They're producing tons and tons of video. Wow. And and likely 
people that are searching or having issues with their HVAC are finding fire and ice no matter where they are. And, and they become that trusted voice in this community that's, that's helping people understand how to, how to buy services, what they actually need. And, and it's led to them having a bunch of, you know, financial success uh, from a marketing and sales initiative. That's awesome. And, and one thing I'll highlight because, uh, you know, I do run a marketing agency and I say the problem with the marketing industry is that, um, you know, we will work with clients or work with partners and you don't see these necessarily always see these types of results. Um, and you, they can always replicate the type of result that was produced at Fire and Ice. Right. Um, and so I think later on in the podcast, what we'll talk about is the exact strategy. But there mm -hmm. is, you know, even though, you know, I have incentive to, to be like, hey, go for a marketing. Like, I think there's huge benefits to taking your marketing in-house like Chris is talking about. And so, um, but before we hop into that, maybe we can talk about some of the problems. So, you know, the first one I'll definitely mention is you know, if you are working with a marketing company, let's say an SEO agency, um, you'll you'll see the the kind of content that's put out. It's it's like written by someone overseas. It's like it's just content written to rank, but not necessarily to convert. Um, and so that's some of the problems that we see, and it doesn't actually turn into legit business for that yeah. company. Um, what are some of the other problems that you see that well, other people face when it comes to their marketing? Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's a loaded question, right? But let's stick with content for, for right now. We'll start there because we're, we're at like this really cool moment in the world where, where we should all be starting to worry that we're going to be looking to the future to see like John Connor or, you know, somebody come back, <laughs> you know, to make sure Skynet doesn't take us over, but you know, <laughs> Whether it's AI and what AI can do today for, from, a, from a chat GPT or any other tools that can write content to the content shops that just publish stuff to rank, all of it lacks one key element, right? Our story and our humanity as a business. And so the biggest thing that we see is if you outsource your content creation to anyone that doesn't work in your organization, it's never going to feel like you. And so somebody might read something and maybe you get lucky and they actually do convert, but then they talk to you and you don't sound like what they read. That's a huge problem, right? And so it's, it's easy, it's easier, right? It is easier to hire somebody else to do the writing for you. It's easier to go to chat GPT and type in um, what does a new air conditioning unit cost? Mm. And it'll write you an article about that. But it's not going to have the feel that you need, right? It's like, like if you think of those like really simple weight loss, like things that they talk about, it's like, hey, take these pills or strap these electro things to your stomach and you just turn it on and you're going to get skinny and be healthy. We all know that that's a bunch of crap, right? We know that the only way to be physically fit and healthy is to eat right and go to the gym or exercise in some form or fashion, right? Or just have great genetics. But there's no magic pill that we can take. The same is true with our marketing. So anybody that sits there and says, we'll do this for you and we're going to get you all these results, like... 
if it sounds like it's too easy, it's likely too easy, which means that it's likely not going to work. And so taking it in-house is scary and difficult, but it's really easy when you have the right strategy and when you go get taught how to do it, right? Because that that's the thing is that nobody, no outside agency can know what you do to the level that your team can. Mm-hmm. And so, so when we think of whether it's in, in this industry or other industries, some marketing, some great marketer that doesn't work in your company is never going to know how Bob's HVAC does things to the level that you do as the owner or you do as the director of operations or the head of sales or whatever that might be. And so that's, that's the number one mistake, right? We have no context. We have no feel to our content. And when we think about it, when we're reading something, we know if it's at, like, I I just think of when I read books, if I'm like five pages in and I'm struggling, I stop reading the book. Mm -hmm. Think about web pages and blog articles. You don't get five pages in, you get like two paragraphs. And if you're like, this is really hard to read, you hit the back button and you find the next article, the next website. So we have to focus on having, like answering the people's questions, focusing and having a tone that resonates with folks. Um, That doesn't mean make it fluffy. It means make it realistic and helpful. And that's going to be the keys to success as we, as we generate a content program. Mm. And I'd say like one common thread that I'm noticing as, as you're talking about those things is, is at the end of the day, we are trying to make a human to human connection. We are looking to build trust and, you know, part of trust is being transparent and authentic and outsourcing that to someone else who is not you. That's not your voice. Mm -hmm. They're not your company. There's, there's like a disconnect, especially if someone says like, well, you know, that's one of our core values. And then now they're outsourcing their voice to another place. Right. So this relationship that's being formed online, it's, it's not the actual company. It's, right. it's the marketing company's voice. And so when they call, it's like there's a disconnect between yeah. what's on the phone and the people that show up and then what they see on the website. It's just, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like being, uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, catfished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> being catfished. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but think about it. So, so you're an HVAC company down in Columbus, uh, Columbus, Georgia. There's a way that people in Columbus, Georgia talk and act and show up. I know because I lived there for several years when I, when I was in the Army. And if they go to your website and your content doesn't match the same tone that you take when they call you on the phone, there's a big disconnect there. Right, so all these things come come together as we go into it. The other thing is a marketing company doesn't know what your buyers actually care about, right? Because they're not talking to them, yeah. right? But you are. And so that that's one of the big parts as we talk about how do you get success in a content strategy is you start by answering the questions that buyers actually have right? The fears, worries, concerns, or issues that show up. The reasons that you don't close deals, 
These are all the things that people would be sitting at home doing what we all do today, right? So, John, when was the last time that you got into an argument with a friend over a, a fact of knowledge? Mm. Right? Like, like who won who won X Super Bowl year, you know, in in 1995? Like, there's no debates about that anymore, like there used to be. We all pick up our phone and go to Google. Everybody does it. So if, if we know that's our behavior, think about our buyer. So if all of a sudden my air conditioning stopped working, so I live in Connecticut, but if it's the summertime and all of a sudden it got real hot in here, I'm Googling, why is my air conditioning not working? Like, what do I do when the thermostat, like whatever it is, I don't have an air conditioning guy that I just call, right? Like I don't have the yellow pages anymore. I have Google. So, so we need to be showing up when people are Googling those things and people tend to Google the same questions that they ask you when you talk to them. Yes. Of that. Yeah. And so, so I guess with that, um, uh, for those people who are not familiar, uh, cause we've been using, they ask you answer a lot. Um, and that's, that's like actually our initial connection. I've also read the book. Um, and so I have great context around it, but um, maybe if you could explain just like the overall philosophy and like what it's all about for someone who this is might be the first time they're hearing yeah. about it. Yeah. So I'm going to tell a little story that, that'll give you the philosophy of it. So they ask you answers written by Marcus Sheridan. So one of my closest, closest buddies, but back in 2008, when stock market crashed and we go into the great recession, he owned a pool company, right? River pools and spas in Virginia. And on one day, they lost like $250,000 in deposits, just instantaneous. Thought they were going to go bankrupt. People told them to file for bankruptcy. And Marcus had just found HubSpot, which is a, a marketing platform and a CRM. And he heard about inbound marketing and content marketing. So he decided he was a sales guy for them. He said, I'm just going to answer all the questions in a blog like in an article every day when he'd get home. So he'd do sales calls during the day. He'd come home. He'd have his list of questions that he was asked and he would type away. And he did this for a period of time. And this became a mantra at the company. They ask, you answer. So no matter what the client or prospect asked him, they wrote about it. And he started to see these trends that there were five areas that constantly people constantly asked about. Cost and price. How much does this cost? Problems. What could go wrong if I buy a fiberglass pool? What could go wrong if? Comparisons. Concrete versus fiberglass. Best of. Who makes the best ones? And ratings and reviews. And so he just started doing that. And all of a sudden, he saved his company. His company became the number one trafficked swimming pool site in the world generated millions and millions of dollars from articles like how much does a fiberglass pool cost? He created best. He created all this different content and it saved his business and it transformed his business's life really by simply by going to its core level. When buyers ask you questions, answer them and answer them where and how they want them to be answered. Right? So that means we have to have the answers on our websites. 
not only do we have to have them in written form so that the machines can see it, you know, Google and the crawling and all that. And, but, and some people want to read it. We got to answer it in video too. Mm. You know, YouTube is the second largest search engine. So we should have all these articles also answered in video. And that started this, they ask you answer movement really that we're talking about, which is we as consumers want the answers to our questions immediately. Like we are like, there is no more like, you know, if you think about buying a TV, nobody, nobody on this call or nobody that's watching this or listening to this likely walked into Best Buy, talked to the 20 year old kid that's working in the electronics section and said, so tell me everything I need to know about this TV versus that TV versus that TV. Maybe one in a hundred do that today. Okay. But when I was a kid in the mid nineties, that's exactly what my father did when we went and got a new TV, because it, I think it was circuit city at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there was no, there was no real internet that answered any questions. So we got the, you know, the flyer in the newspaper that was delivered and then you went and you were at the whim of the salesperson. Yep. Well, if you're buying a TV today, you are literally looking up what's the best X size TV of X thing. You're doing all this research and you may go to the store to say, I want that because you want to take it home right now. Mm. Okay. That's the way that we buy and search for things now. If you think about your Amazon experience, those five things I said, cost and price, problems, comparisons, ratings and reviews, and best of, guess what? Open the Amazon app on your phone yep. and go, go type in anything, and you're going to find all of those areas covered mm-hmm. because that's what we care about. And so this concept is let's just be that source because if, if we don't talk about it, somebody else will. And we, when we talk about these things, when we answer in a transparent, unbiased, educating way, we become a trusted voice. And John, when we think about buying stuff, like especially for our homes, right? So like the place that is your sanctuary, like your spot, Mm -hmm. right? Before you're going to give somebody any money to do any work at your house, what emotion do you have to feel, John? Mm, um, I'd, I'd feel some anxiety, like potentially am I going to make the right decision with what I purchase? So you're going to feel that stuff, but then to make the decision and pull the trigger, there's a way that you're going to feel about that company or about the, the salesperson or the service mm. provider, right? Yep. Trust. Trust. Yeah. Yep. You got like, and so this whole, they ask you answer philosophy is let's build trust with folks and let's do it by obsessing over our buyer. The tactical pieces are simple, but if we can agree that anything that we get asked, we're gonna answer, no matter how difficult a question it is, that's how we're gonna win. Mm. That's what we want. We don't want, we don't want an article that's all fluffy, right? When, especially when we're trying to buy something, we want, the answers to the things we have to like, what's going to go wrong with it? You know, nobody searches what's going to go right. If I buy a Ford Mustang, <laughs> everybody searches. What are the potential problems when buying a Ford Mustang? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just like, if you got to upgrade your HVAC system, 
what are the problems that could like there's problems inherent with doing that but there's problems inherent with all the different things that we do no matter what service or product we we provide instead of hiding it and and hoping and praying that nobody actually asks us the question let's just tell them boom this is this is our this is our big white elephant yep it's a big white elephant here's how we solve for it but it's here just know it it is what it is wow love that so it's 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 a, it's really different than the way I've seen some people on their sales philosophy, which is, you know, you have to like weave things in a certain way, say these certain words so that you can trigger these things in people's minds. And then boom, now you have the sale, but this is more. So let's talk about, let's actually educate. Let's yeah. actually provide genuine answers and be helpful. Yeah. Um, and because of that help and because of that trust, now the sale is a lot easier versus like trying to come up with these sales yeah. tricks to yeah. convince someone. Well, because everybody knows that it's a trick, right? So that's first and foremost. But here's the thing. There, and there's been studies, and I, I, I think it's, um, I'm going to forget the attribution on this, but people are 80% through their buying decision before they reach out to most organizations. Mm -hmm. Okay? So do we want, just me saying this, I would, be, I would like to be the person that educated them about that 80%. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. And so we do all of this work. So then they come into our sales process. We know, you know, if we have the right tools set up on our websites, we can see what they looked at. We can assign them more content that can help us in the sales process. Mm -hmm. And, and then it makes selling more like we're helping them make the right choice than we're trying to pressure somebody into a decision. Right, there's a funny, there's a very, very funny story in the book where Marcus had a sales lead and the person had read 350 or something pages of the website. And he was like, what am I walking into? And then he noticed that somebody with the same last name had read 200 something pages of the website. So now he's like, what is going on? Well, he gets there. It's a brain surgeon and his wife. And they had a spreadsheet that had every feature, everything that they wanted because they had educated themselves fully on what they needed for an in-ground fiber west pool. The only thing they needed was, okay, we know that the price is gonna be within this range. Give us the actual price so we can sign and get going. Wow. All Marcus had to do that day was not screw up the sale. Right now, that's an outlier, but he found for him as a swimming pool company, if somebody read 30 pages of his website, he had an 80% close rate. Wow. Right. Right. So that you figure that out for yourself over time, but it's this idea that if you can get people to read 10, 15 pages of your site so they understand your product or service, it's a simple conversation. Mm -hmm. They're educated, they're ready. They like they've self-selected them. Like, like they've, you will stop talking to people that are just kicking tires. If you educate them, right. You'll talk to people that are ready to buy when you leverage the tools and they ask you answer. Um, Got it. So it's, it yeah. sounds like this is, this is more than just like a lead generation thing where you capture leads from search engines, but yeah. also 
it turns your website in a way to a 24 seven salesperson right. where, yeah. you know, you're, you're answering all of the questions that someone asked you over the phone or in person. And now you're kind of breaking those objections down on the website. And by the time they call you, they're already sold um, or they're, 80 they're on the way there. Yeah. So, so John, it's funny. I like the, the way that you phrase that. So we at, at impact, we say that the ask you answer is a sales initiative. Mm right? Fueled by marketing. So, so the idea is that marketing is going to have likely your content manager, your videographer, but the people that talk to buyers, your sales team. So we've got to actually align those two because the sales folks are the ones that are handling objections, fears, worries, concerns, issues, the questions are being asked. And so you create this actual closed loop. You actually create this team mentality and instead of just caring about like, ooh, our traffic went up, you're like, ooh, we can attribute an extra million dollars to this collaboration with sales and marketing. We can, like our sales guys come in and high five the marketers because, hey, I used that video that we shot the other day and no questions, contract signed. Boom, boom, you know, high fives all around. That's what we're trying to build when we bring this into an organization. So it's not like when you go to take on the ask you answer, it's not like a fun marketing initiative. It is a company-wide sales initiative be getting everybody obsessed with solving for our buyer. And again, if everybody just, if you just put yourselves in the shoes of a buyer, like, cause at which you are in different forms and fashions, what do you want? Like, what do you want to know? So a great test for y'all today is go to your website. Can you find the answers to things that you would want to know if you were a buyer having this problem? Or, or do you get frustrated because you can't find anything? And, you, and maybe it's on your own site, so you like know where it is. So then I want you to try something else. Think of something that you want to buy. Think of some service that you're looking into and go try to find out how much it costs and see how long you stay on a website that doesn't answer the question for you. The answer is you're not going to stay. Nobody, nobody, when you want to know, and maybe not the exact price, but you want to know the ballpark, the budget, can I even afford this? You're not going to sit there and search for a very long time. Unless it's a brand that you love, that you don't really, like, you want to know how much it costs, but that's the brand you're getting, right? So I talk to buyers, or I talk to clients about this all the time. Apple can get away with beautiful design and horrible user experience because they're Apple. We all want their new phone, their new watch, their new computer, whatever. So we'll scroll on our mouse or with our thumb to go through all the beautiful animation. Well, unless your brand is Apple, and I'll do that to go find a price, right? For Apple. I'm not doing that for Steve's HVAC. I'm not doing it for really anything other than a brand that it that like I'm a guitar player. Gibson guitars are my like I, I have several. I will search high and low to find any answer I want for Gibson, but I have brand loyalty. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to attract new people that don't know who you are. 
they're not going to dig into your website. They're going to look at stuff and go quickly. Can I find everything that I want? Are the answers really there? They actually answer the questions that I have or they go back. So run that test. Can somebody see what the budget is for a service you provide? Maybe you do tankless water heaters, right? Can I see how much it would cost to take out my current water heater and put in a tankless one? Maybe I need a new HVAC system in my house. My house is 20 years old, and I don't know if that's when you should do it or not. But if I'm thinking about it, I want to know, is this a $5,000 problem? Is this a $25,000 problem? Have the ability to educate me on that. If you can't, there's no chance I'm going to call you. Right? Like, this is the way that we have to look at things because we want to make people's experience with us simple and easy. We want to remove friction. Right? And so, so answering those things is key. And the last thing I'll just say, John, on this is the video portion. Right? Like, video is our way that people can see who we are and how we show up. All right? So... The more video you have and the more video you use in sales, the less it becomes, you know, the, you know, the child at the home, like opens the door. It's like, Hey mom, some dudes here. Then it becomes, Hey mom, some woman from the HVAC companies here to, Hey mom, Steve from blah, blah, blah is here because they've seen your videos, mm. right? It's a huge difference from being somebody's here to somebody from this thing is here to person's name who who they've heard in the background as you've been watching the video. Wow. Right? You start to build that trust that way. So these are all things that, you know, if you go read they ask you answer, you'll find all of the all these little nuggets. And you might say, well, we're not selling swimming pools, Chris. Like, cool, I got it. It's principles. It's principles. And you can go, I think John's gonna link the fire and ice case study. And you can hear direct is a video directly from the whole fire and ice team about how they as a HVAC company in Ohio uh, executed this play. Love that. So, so I guess if, um, so let's say I'm an HVAC company right now. I just heard this podcast. Um, it sounds like the things that I would need to do. Number one, uh, go to the website and then take a look at the big five. So you mentioned those earlier. Yeah. Um, what, are those big five questions being answered on the website, whether that's in text or in video? Yeah. Um, and then after that, um, if you have no content or you're about to begin your content plan, um, from what you said earlier, it sounds like the first place to start is just whenever you're speaking with a customer, let's say they're getting a new install done or a replacement or a repair done, just having your salespeople or just having you just listen to what they're saying okay, what are their concerns? What are their objections? And just like, it sounds like just simply writing down all of the questions that they had. Yeah. And then at some point- Answering it. Answering it, right? And then yeah. putting it on the website. That's yeah. It. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, so the simplest things. Go, to John's point, go look at your website. Are you actually educating people? Are you answering questions they would have? Likely might, you know, I, I hate to just say it. You're likely not right now. And that's okay. Everybody just needs to be aware of it. Then to John's point, get your sales team together. And here, this is the funniest thing, John. If you ask a sales group, you go, hey, how many of the same questions do you get 
every single call. They're going to be like, like almost all of them. You go, great. What are they? And you start having them list them. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to get 50 different things right in that first ask. All right. Then you tell them, hey, remember all the questions that you get all the pushback and just keep adding to this list. That becomes your initial content brainstorm to start answering that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other thing you should do, everybody should go and, and get a copy of They Ask You Answer. Give it a read. Uh, one of two things is going to happen. Now, if you're listening to this, you're going to have a, you know, you're probably going to skew to what, the, the one way. People read it and either go, duh, this makes sense. This is how I sell, but I'm not doing it right now with my marketing and my sales. So I'm going to go do it. Or they say, oh, Chris, this just will never work for me. If you listen to this and then you go by the book, you're going to fall into the first category. Mm-hmm. Right? So th- that's what I would tell people to do today. Got it. Um, and then I guess one one thing that I could imagine could come up is, um, let's say you're in that group of salespeople and they give you a lot of the same objections, but they have the same route, but they're asked in different ways. Now, are we creating separate oh, yeah. pieces of content for each of those questions or are we combining questions that are related into well, separate because separate. think about think about how do people search in google right mm-hmm. so so cost and price like cost and price articles you're probably going to have depending on how many service lines or products you have, you're going to have tons of articles on that yeah. same thing with problems inherent like and so everybody like we have become so customized with our search right when you think about like you add in for me, you know, like Google even adds it in for you. Like what are the best restaurants to, to go for me or near me or whatever? So we are naturally searching like that. So if somebody asks you a very specific question, we likely want to write the answer to that very specific question, even if it's adjacent to something else. Mm. Now I wouldn't write them back to back. Right. But, but it's still, it's this, the muscle movement that I want people to do is listen to your buyer, understand the questions that they're asking and their fears, worries, concerns, or issues, and start writing about them. You do those things, you will start to gain some momentum, some form or fashion. You read the book, you're going to get a little bit farther. You know, and then there's resources. We'll have links to some stuff uh, that John will populate and... Um, I'll probably at the end of this tell you about a couple other things that you could do, but but it's that simple to get started. And that's the that's the key is like this is you don't need a PhD in marketing to do this. You're already doing it when you talk to buyers. It's like how do you take the conversations where you're building trust in a sales situation? How do you bring that to scale so that you can talk to the many who are looking at Google for the answer? And, and I guess to build off of that, um, so we got the process. I could see um, someone wondering about like, how, like I don't have the time to do this or like, I'm not a writer. Like I don't do videos. I like, that's, that's just not my thing. Yeah. Um, and I think you touched on this earlier with the in-house versus an external yeah. marketing team. So um, how, if someone wanted to begin to increase their output, but they had all these, you know, things that they, you know, they yeah. don't want to do it. Like how, I, I'm yeah. trying to be a business owner. I'm trying to, you know, yeah, why, yeah, why yeah. I'm now constantly. So how do you, yeah. how do we address some of those, so, those feelings? So there's a couple of things. So 
the recommended course of action, the best thing, the thing that gets results is you hire a content manager. Okay. Now the term manager makes them sound like they're this senior skilled person. We could just call it content writer for all I care. You're hiring a recent graduate that graduated with a journalism degree, communications degree, something like that, you know, could be their first job. Now, some of you are going, but Chris, they don't know anything about HVAC. Either do your buyers, right? Either do your buyers. So the idea is bring somebody into your company that can interview you, take it down to the level that your buyers are actually at, where they don't, you know, you get caught in the curse of knowledge where you know so much that if you wrote it, it's like super technical. And I'm a guy that couldn't tell you where the tape measure is in my house. So if you're talking technical specs, I'm hosed. I need you to have that journalism graduate that can break it down basically to like a, you know, 12 year old level so that I understand it. Right. So we need that. So that's the first hire that you make. You, you go hire this person. And then the second thing is you should hire a videographer. Now, some of you are going to say, Chris, we just don't have the money for that right now. Cool. I get it. And, it, and the question becomes, do you want to grow your company? And if the answer is yes, you do, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to make the really hard decision to go hire these people and, and deal with the financial impact of it. Or you are going to learn how to become a writer and understand this stuff. And you're going to do it like Marcus did at 10 o'clock at night in your kitchen table until you've grown your business to the point where you can go hire somebody. But it's one of those two options, right? And so, but think about it. Instead of paying five, ten thousand $10,000 to an agency, you're paying that in a salary now mm -hmm. to somebody. Then you get them some training. You might make an investment, right? But eventually, if, you've if you hire somebody and you train them and you make that initial investment, after that initial period, you're going to have this media company inside your organization that generates enough revenue to cover their expense, but grows the business exponentially more than you would if you hired an agency. Mm -hmm. So if you can look at it from a long-term perspective, it is, it is the thing that you need to do. Mm, I see. And it reminds me of a quote, uh, um, Penny wise, but dollar foolish. Uh, you know, you you're gonna you're gonna sacrifice either way, right? You're yeah. either going to suffer having to pay out now or doing the work, or you're gonna suffer in the future when you just haven't built the business that you think yeah. you want. It's you're yeah. gonna you're gonna you're gonna get pained either way. So yeah, well, and, <laughs> pick and your pain. <laughs> yeah, and and so you know, I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of home services type companies spend an ungodly amount of money on advertising hundreds of thousands of dollars on like there's this roofing company where i live they've got billboards on like the weirdest spots and they've got all these yard signs and all like probably radio so i haven't listened to radio in a long time but i'm sure they're doing radio and their website's garbage and it's like you might get a couple impressions from that but invest the money into where the buyers are i'm a homeowner guess what I'm not doing? I'm not driving around and being like, oh, I should go talk to them. No, I'm trying to understand what it's going to go into redoing my roof. Right? And, and 
And if we're, if we're making, you know, again, I hate the stereotype HVAC companies, but it's like spending money on commercials for TV. I don't know the last time I watched a commercial. And I bet you that most people listening don't know the last time you watched a commercial. It's been a while. Right? So, so we have to look at how we're spending our marketing spend and how we're spending our sales spend and take a real hard look and say, maybe we need to invest in ourselves so that we can generate the growth that we're looking for versus just saying, well, I'm just going to go put up all these billboards and people will get, they'll see me so much that, well, you know, no, they're Googling. They're Googling. And if they see your billboard and they go to your website and your website's garbage and doesn't answer their questions, whatever, they went to your site, but you didn't do anything. So they found somebody else. Mm. So is that billboard spend worth it? I, I say no. Um, I say no. Uh, it's helpful. And so it sounds like action item for a lot of our listeners. It's um, yeah. Do an assessment of your marketing spend. So you know, typically it'll be what five to fifty percent of gross, and you know, look where, look at the impact that your marketing is having. Um, it was, it was kind of crazy. I spoke to uh, an HVAC company um, yesterday. Uh, they're spending about twelve thousand dollars per month, and they got ten phone calls. And so I was like, okay, so you're spending about twelve hundred yeah. per phone call. <laughs> I was like, many, I was like, how many, those, awesome. how many of those phone calls are they closing? Yeah, I, it's and. From what they were doing, like typically the conversion will be about 25% from call to close. So, you know, really their cost per conversion is like three to four K for, uh, or let's say repair or replace, and they're not making much. And so, um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, so action item is guys like take a look at your marketing spend, look at how much you're spending for an acquisition or, a, you know, a new phone call or a, a job. And figure out, are you spending it the right way? And, you know, what Chris is talking about is, you know, if you're spending a lot on ads, it's a way to cut down your ad costs over time and um, position yourself. I, I think that's the, the biggest thing. It's, it's being positioned as a trusted authority because you can solve problems for people. And with the demographic shift of, um, you know, more homo new homeowners are, are millennials and young folks who are Googling things. That's just where things are headed. So. The way things were done in the past may not work in the future. And I, it's a 99% shot that it's not going to work. So yeah. um, you're kind of like skating to where the puck is going versus like, yeah. God, this is what's yeah. working now. Well, well, listen, I'll tell you, my 70 year old mother goes on her iPhone to Google stuff now. Right. So it's not, even, <laughs> yeah. it's not, even, I mean, I mean, so, but, but so the difference is I type, they, they talk to their phone, right? Like, and I'm stereotyping, but that's what my mom does. Like, she just asks the phone questions. But that's that's where everybody's going. And so we can keep doing what we've been doing, or we can address the way that buyers have changed and meet them where they're at. And that that's that's the choice that we have to make. It's like, do we want to grow? Yes, I want to grow. Cool. Are you willing to meet buyers where they're at? Some are going to say yes, and some are going to say no. The ones that say yes are going to grow. And the ones that don't say yes, you might stay where you're at. Mm -hmm. Amen. But somebody's going to go take your market share. Like, it's going to happen. 
And I, I think this is a this is a natural jumping point. If there's is there anything you want to talk about VSU answer? Because next I want to shift into some mindset stuff. Because yeah, this is a natural jumping point. <laughs> well, so so here's what I'll say. The last thing on the ASP answer. So if folks want to to learn more about this stuff, impactplus.com has everything on the ask you answer. And then we have a, a show, but we're different live. So weekly show starts the 16th. Uh, John's going to put a link to it, but it's a coach like me talking about the topics that we're seeing as we talk with our clients and taking questions from people. So it's like a, it's unlike a podcast. It's a live zoom meeting. You go to our site, sign up for it. And, uh, and that's the thing. And everything you want to know about impact, or excuse me, everything you want about the ask you answer, you can find that impactplus.com. So that's pretty awesome. So basically, you're you're taking the the concept of they ask you answer. You're just taking the questions and answering on a weekly basis. Yeah, and what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. and Love what that. we're seeing. So, um, yeah, but yeah. So let's. You want to shift to mindset? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, well, I I think you hit on a few things. So the first thing was, um, you know, making this shift to to grow because uh, i i've noticed speaking to a lot of contractors that there's some they'll only be in the field maybe three four years but then they grow these massive multi-million dollar companies in short order but then there's other people that i speak to they've been in business 20 years they never cracked a million dollars in annual revenue and they're just stuck and they're just not cracking through so i guess my first question because they ask you answer seems to break companies past things like how, like, what is that mental shift that, what is that mental difference? Because it's, it's so weird. It's not time in the field. There's something else that's happening where people are able to skyrocket, even though, you know, they're yeah. not necessarily as experienced. Well, so I think it comes down to the thing we already said, like, are you willing to meet the buyers where they're at and answer the tough questions? Right. So, so the folks that are that sort of walk into it unafraid and say like, listen, this is, this is it. And I'm just going to say it all and put it out there. Those are the folks that have the success, right? The folks that are just unwilling to do it are like, so I used to work in architecture, right? Like I, I helped run an architecture firm for a couple of years and the architecture world is one where they say our reputation speaks for itself. We don't have to market. We don't have to do anything, Chris. Our reputation just speaks for itself. And I just remember shaking my head like, no, that's not good enough today. And so I think the contractors that you're talking about that that don't grow, like they're out in the field, they're, they're busting their, you know, their butts every day. Well, it's awesome and great. You're going to get some referral business. You're going to keep something there, but you're never going to break through because you're just relying on your worksmanship and like, and your reputation. Well, in today's world, you have to amplify that. And so you have to be courageous enough to say like, it's not just about being the best at my craft. It's about being the best at my craft and then becoming the best educator of my craft so that people can find me to go get the quality work that I provide. Mm. Right. So, so it's, so it's a shift from like, I'm doing the thing to I'm talking about how to do the thing and how it impacts people. And you've got to make that shift if you want to grow. Mm, it's like, uh, it's like the shift of being a technician, you know, the one who's, you know, fixing things up to being a thought leader, technician, a thought leader could be a, yeah. it's like a yeah, mindset. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 almost the idea of um, working on the business versus working in the business. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that when you talk like uh, entrepreneurial operating system, which I'm yeah, sure a yeah, bunch of folks are, you know, scaling up or EOS. Like, like you need days where you step out and go, "How is the business running?" You have to have that same shift. If you're out every day doing nothing but sales calls, if you're out every day doing nothing but installs you're going to struggle growing the business. Mm. And so you've got to be thinking about that. And you have to, you know, John, you have to have that actual desire to grow it. Because growth, like, like, so for someone like me, I'm like, that's what we have to do. We like, Like, nothing's ever good enough. We have to always be going. But there are some people that they've made a great business for themselves. It sustains them. It sustains the the group of people that work for them. And it's a great thing for the community and for them. And that's awesome. And congratulations. But the people that want to grow are the people that are going to do all the things we just talked about. And, you know, again, I think of like your, your listeners are likely in the group that want to grow. So, so the idea is you can't grow by taking, you know, by like, by doing nothing or by outsourcing or by whatever, like you have to do work. You have to put in the hard work and yeah, getting past a million dollars is tough. Getting past two and a half is really tough. Getting to five. Whew. And then you're like, I can't, do... but then you someday get to 5.5 then you get to six and a half then you get to 10 and it just keeps going, but you've got to do the work and you've got to be willing to really dig in. Hmm of that wow yeah and the uh well the other the other thing i pulled out from what you said um specifically around being a thought leader and just sharing is is there's a element of abundance versus scarcity where you know, sometimes i think um you know and i i think that's part of a limiting thing where it's like they don't want to share their knowledge they also don't want to network with their peers where it's like hey let's compare best practices what are you doing what am i doing and so let me let me gatekeep my information so that I'm the expert and you have to come to me, but it sounds like you're saying, no, let's open it up. That's yeah. part, that's part of the mindset of being able to, to scale as a company, not being so, you know, holding on to every, every penny you got. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? so, so think about it this way. So again, put yourself in the shoes of a buyer. When you talk to somebody or you look at a website and you can't find an answer that you know they have the answer for. You think certain things. You're like, what are they hiding from me? What don't they want me to know? Why do I have to talk to sales to find out the budget for this thing? Like, I love the tool Gong, right? Gong is a great tool. I have a bunch of clients that use it. I can't get their pricing on their website. and drives me insane. I have to talk to a sales rep. I'm like, why do I have to talk to a sales rep? I know their business model is number of seats costs X. So they have different tiers. Like, you know it because of what they are. Why can't you just show me the bucket and say, like, when you talk to sales, it could go down? Like, fair. But we don't use Gong because I can't see what their pricing is. And I refuse to talk to a sales rep who's going to try to pitch me something. Like, show me the price. The opposite is a tool called HubSpot, right? CRM, 
sales tools, marketing tools, services, all this stuff. Their pricing is so on the nose. You know exactly how much of an investment you have to make depending on the level of the tool that you want. And so they build more trust. I don't think what is HubSpot trying to hide from me, but that's what I think about Gong. Right? So, 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 so just think about that. So if you're sitting there and it's like, well, I'm going to hold all this stuff in, I'm your buyer. And if I've got to talk to you to find out a general price of what it's going to cost to change up my air conditioning unit, I'm not talking to you. So you can hold on to all this stuff all you want, but you're only talking to this many people. If you go like this, you're going to have a lot more folks that want to have more conversations with you. And oh, by the way, you know what your what your competition charges for that. You know how they do the thing. Don't pretend that you don't. Like y'all, y'all do the same exact stuff. You do, and so pretending like you have some secret sauce when you know it's just thousand or was it thousand uh, island dressing or some whatever McDonald's secret sauce is just some dressing, right? Like it's not, it's nothing special, mm -hmm. right? It's just like aioli is barbecue sauce and mayonnaise, <laughs> but we gave it a fun name. Nothing special in it. We just have to understand that. And when we can make that mindset shift to, A, there's plenty of business out there. There's plenty of business out there for all of us. There truly is. And especially if we're going to be willing to help educate buyers through a process, if we're going to be willing to build relationships, build on trust that aren't pushy, that are like, hey, here's the information. And then our sales process mimics what our website content is, and it sounds the same because it's written by us, then our sales processes get easier. And guess what? Then we win more. Like, these are the things that naturally, like, like nobody sitting here is going to say like, well, I don't want people to feel comfortable before they meet me and then feel even more like everybody wants that. And so we are our own self limiters when it comes to growth and when it comes to how we interact with our buyers, like we put up the friction points by not talking about cost and price, by not talking about the things that could go wrong, by not talking about our competitors. Because I'll, I'll guarantee you, let's say that you sell one version of an air conditioning unit. And people know that there's more than one. They're literally going to type in this version versus that version. Mm -hmm. And if you don't talk about it in an unbiased way, you are likely going to lose them. These are the things. So, so you have to have this open mind to be able to do this stuff if you want to grow. But if you stick to the, you know, oh, I've got all the info, nobody else has it. Yeah. I'll tell you something, artificial intelligence has it, yeah. right? Like, like it's there and somebody's gonna be writing about it. And so I'm gonna find my answer somewhere else if you don't do it. Oh. Um, love that. It's, it's a, it, it, the, the philosophy has shifted to no, it's a, it's a race to give the most in a way where it's yeah. like, how can I, you know, make sure you're the most educated, you know, make the best decision. 
And, um, you know, I was, I was a part of BNI for a number of years and, um, I love the philosophy of givers gain. And I, I really do think, uh, they ask you answer is a great embodiment of that generosity and openness. And I think that, you know, you, just cause you put up, you put out this piece of content, you don't know how it's going to come back to you, but you know, it does, right. You know, through the search engines, through the trust, it's the goodwill and then the referral network that's built from there. And so yes. I, I love, I love, love the strategy. Awesome. 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 So I think, uh, so we're cl closing in on the hour. I, I want to make sure you had some time to just, uh, talk about next steps. So, um, so I think first thing you mentioned was read the book. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a key thing. Yep. They ask you answer, find it on Amazon. And if you, if you like audio, Marcus read the, the latest version. So the, the author is, uh, is the reader. Um, and listening to him is very fun. Him telling his own story. Love that. Okay. Yeah. So you got the audio, you got the written, and then you mentioned there's a weekly consulting yeah. session. That we're starting yep. So it's called, um, but we're different live. But we're different. Um, so you can go, John will have a link to it, but it's a weekly, weekly show starting the 16th of February um, with one of my peers, Zach Basner, uh, taking your questions, talking about a relevant topic uh, within the digital marketing and sales arena with a huge focus on the Ask You Answer. And then you can always go to impactplus.com to learn all about the Ask You Answer um, and, and how that philosophy is, is moving and helping companies like yours. Love that. And um, also, uh, you know, we talked about some actual things you can do at the end. So, you you know, look at your website, look at it from a customer perspective. Are they answering the big five? You know, if you don't know what the big five are, review the podcast or look up big five impact plus and um, and then just start writing down questions and answering them. That's that's yeah. really it. <laughs> yeah, it's that simple. Perfect. So any parting advice for our listeners just before we sign off for the day? Yeah, I mean. Growing a company is fun. It's stressful, like I got it, but it's fun. And when you do this type of work, not only do you get to grow the company, you get to help folks. And in your industry, you're helping folks be comfortable in their homes. And so um, I think adopting a tool, like a, like a philosophy like this, is a no-brainer for your, for your types of organizations. And, and it should be really fun to do at the same time. Thank you, Chris. And thank cool. you for listening. So uh, we're going to sign off, but appreciate everyone. Um, we'll have a next podcast episode next week. We have a lot of great guests this season. And so really looking forward to sharing more knowledge and information and helping you to create more sales, more profits, and more freedom in your business. Take care, everyone. See ya. Thank you for joining us for the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast. Follow us on StreamYard, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and check out our main website, www.hvacfinancialfreedom.com to find out how you can also achieve financial freedom.